Good morning. It's good to see you today. Uh, have good news and, and bad news. Uh, the, the, the good news is that uh, Dr. Hugh Hughley, today is his 85th birthday. <laughs> the bad news is that he's preaching today. <laughs> no, we're excited about that. Uh, the, uh, one of the deacons gave me a note, Dr. Hugh, they said that the ark is blocking the, the door. They, I told him I'd had at least one dig, so I got it out of my system. But we do welcome everybody. I've just spoken to one uh, special guest, and perhaps there are others, but whether it's uh, first time ever or first time in a long time, if you're here today, uh, we do welcome you. Um, we ask the Lord to minister to each and every one of our hearts according to all the special needs that we have. And uh, we look forward to Dr. Hugh ministering God's Word. And I know that that will be special for us. I know it will be special for him. Uh, he's the first 85-year-old preacher that I've ever heard that was still preaching. And I'm sure there are many, but I just, I have a hearing problem I haven't heard. But uh, we do welcome you and look forward to Dr. Hugh uh, when he comes to minister. There are a lot of things going on, and I'm not going to take the time to rehash them, but they're in the, the bulletin. If you have a, a church bulletin, they are available on the table where you have sign-up opportunities for various ministries and events. And then uh, the TV screens in the lobby and elsewhere, they're constantly scrolling, and so... If you're interested in knowing what's going on, just uh, read your bulletin or uh, watch the screens or go look out on the table and see how many opportunities uh, do exist. We do need to remind everyone that tonight uh, the small groups uh, reconvene after the, the, the holiday. And let me ask one question. Will there be a meal tonight, Bill? Yeah, there will be a meal. Just for those who come for, for the... Uh, the, the small group, but um, that, that starts tonight at uh, 6.30, I think. Is that right? 6.30, okay. But we're looking forward to it. And then Tuesday night, there will be small groups uh, starting up again as well on Tuesday night. I was thinking of a passage of Scripture that perhaps would be uh, appropriate for this morning, and uh, my... Uh, as I was reading through some of the Psalms, I came to one that I think is very special because it's a, a Psalm of Thanksgiving. It's a Psalm that, that challenges the, the hearer or the reader to have an attitude of praise and worship toward our mighty God. And so if you'd stand with me, I'm going to read the Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. 
His loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Father, as we begin our time together this morning, we do give thanks that you're present with us. And it is our prime purpose that we've come to worship. We've come to show tribute to the God of creation, the God of redemption. It is you who became the man, Christ Jesus, and took upon himself the sins of the world, that you might be satisfied according to your holiness and justice. And the gospel, Father, is being preached that in Christ Jesus there is life. Believe on him, his person and his work, and we can experience that forgiveness and the gift of everlasting life with you. Thank you, Father, for each and every one who's come this morning. And as uh, Dr. Hugh brings the message, may you apply it to each of our hearts according to the ministry of your spirit. We pray, Father, that this will be a time of worship and rejoicing and that when it's all said and done and we go back out into that world, uh, we'll be all the more excited about who he is and about who we are as children of faith. And we'll take seriously the command that he gave before he departed this earth that we are to be witnesses everywhere we go, witnesses to the grace of God through Christ Jesus. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen.
Yes, I'm 85. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell anybody, but when I came to church, several people told me my age. I often say to friends and persons in conversation, don't let age define you. Don't let a state of advanced chronology define who you are. There are several kinds of ages. And I am thankful to the Lord for the years he's given to me and my dear family. And 
my family, I don't know all the details, but they have quite a wangaroo arranged for me this afternoon. So I, I should be eating very good today. We're sorry that Thad isn't feeling well, and we pray for his recovery. And we also uh, pray that the Lord will be merciful uh, to us in our service today. I'm honored as always to speak and minister, and I'm humble, and I stand before you very needy. Contrary to some popular opinions, we who are preachers just can't open our mouths and expect the Lord to fill it. It doesn't work that way, I assure you. But nonetheless, it is a joy to respond to the call of God on my life as a teenage boy that he had ministry for me in mind. And over the years, I've sought to fulfill his assignments for me as a missionary, a preacher, a pastor, professor, and a Sunday school teacher, and all the things that relate to being an elder, and so on. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles today to the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And I invite you to turn to that portion of God's Word. And I invite you to pray with me that God will have his way in our midst and in every individual heart, whether young or older. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14 and reading through verse 21. In this portion of God's word we read, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Bow your heads with me as we pray. We thank you, Father, for the richness of Scripture. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us in taking the things of Christ and applying them to our lives. We are ever needy creatures, O Lord, we have not reached heights of perfection, nor will we ever, until we're in the presence of the King. 
But we know from your word that we are to be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. May that be wonderfully so in our midst this day. And do it in such a way, Lord, that you will get all the glory and the praise. Speak to us by your spirit. Minister to us. We ask you to help us in dealing with the flesh, as Paul said, in whom no good thing dwells. Help us to focus on the richness of the spirit and the scriptures and the presence and indwelling of Christ. We pray that you will defeat any purposes of Satan in our midst this day. We ask you, Lord, that we shall be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In Jesus' name, with thanksgiving, we pray. Amen. I was in prison, not as an inmate, but as a missionary visitor with a team of students from southeastern in the country of Honduras. And in that prison, we had gone to hold services. There were some 300 prisoners milling about in the open courtyard where we were located. And I learned about three minutes ahead of time that I was to speak in the service. God was merciful to me to help me. At a later time, I was standing before an audience in my cup, Russia, of a large Baptist church. There could have been some 800 people in that assembly. And I just heard a magnificent Russian choir of maybe 50-plus people. I could not understand the words, but I enjoyed the richness of the melody and the harmony and the singing. I had short notice for speaking on that occasion well. Last night, while I was at my part-time job, about 8.30, I got a phone call. The person who answered the phone said to me, Julie is on the phone. She has something to say to you about tomorrow. I had no idea what I was about to hear. But, of course, she said that a call had come from Brother Bill and that I was requested to speak this morning, and would I do so? Well, I confess to you, part of the joys of my life have been preaching and teaching the Word of God. I didn't even have to pray for a long time to respond in the affirmative. I'm happy on any occasion. But my point is, I had a little more time to think about what I would say today than I had in the Honduran prison and in before the Russian congregation of Baptists. I found out I was going to speak from the missionary who was seated by me, and he leaned over and said, The pastor is indicating that you're about to speak. Lord, have mercy on me. Help me. Help me, help me. Well, I did have a few hours, but it wasn't long. And so you all have to pray me through this service. Can you do that? I love what our African-American uh, pastors sometimes say, 
Who out there is going to help me today? And I need your prayers, and I need your assistance. Well, of course, when I learned that I would be speaking, I began to ask God for direction. I even had time to jot down a few thoughts. And the Lord brought to mind this passage in Ephesians, which I read a few moments ago. And of course, when I got home, I stayed up rather late studying and praying. And I got up early this morning studying and praying. Oh, I took time to eat breakfast and so on. Judy said, well, what are you going to speak on? I said, you come to the service and you'll find out. <laughs> we were getting in the car to come to church, and Harley had just learned that I would be preaching. He said, Dad, what are you going to preach on? I said, sure, man, I'm going to let you know. And so here we are. What does the Lord want us to consider this morning? We're looking at a passage of Scripture that can be given the topic, Marks of Maturity. Now, this passage is not exhaustive, but we want to address the issues that are raised in this portion of Scripture. And it does give us some significant marks of maturity. Marks of spiritual maturity, and they will unfold in the passage. The passage shows us how to pray for others regarding their maturity, and the passage implies how we are to live exemplifying marks of maturity. In preparation for the message today, I ask myself a question. What are some of the hindrances to maturity in the believer's life? What are they? And I began to write down a list, and this is not exhaustive, but let me share with you some of the issues that arise and which can hinder the believer's Christian growth and maturation. One of them is unconfessed sin. The scripture is very, very clear. If I regard, I tolerate iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So unconfessed sin. 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A second hindrance to maturity is love for the age. The beloved apostle John, in his senior years, wrote the epistles that bear his name. And in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we're given the encouragement, the exhortation, to love not the world. Sadly, Paul had to write that one of his associates by the name of Demas said of him, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And all this world is going to pass away. A third hindrance to maturity is love, rather, a defective value. 
defective values. In 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul addresses the issue of trusting in uncertain riches. We've read about how the stock market crashed and many people took their lives. The riches of this earth are uncertain. True, we need certain portions of them to live our lives and meet our responsibilities and to provide for our families. Nonetheless, it's possible for a believer to get caught up in materialism. Another is false doctrine. That's why Paul said to young Timothy, Titus, Speak thou the things that become sound doctrine. How we need to be indoctrinated in the truths of Scripture how we need to read and meditate upon the doctrinal statement of our church. It's enriching. It's not a systematic theology, but it is a concise statement of the beliefs of our church. They are true to Scripture. Party spirit is another. The Corinthians said, well, we follow Paul. Some said, well, no, we follow Peter. Till others say, huh, I can hear the little Corinthian biddies saying, oh, I just love that Alexandrian accent of Apollos. He speaks our language so beautifully. And of course, there was a crowd said, but we are Christ. And uh, one of my mentors as a young man said, that was the worst crowd of all. Who thought they had a handle on Jesus. And we're following him. Well, let's move on. Neglect of scripture is another. We're told that the scriptures equip us for every good work. They're inspired of God. Another is lack of spirit control. And another is lack of fellowship. Well, this passage is going to show us something. It's going to show us three marks of maturity. The passage deals with these marks, marks of spiritual maturity. We who are parents and grandparents delight in watching our children grow. There was a time I had to look down to Harley. Then he was on my level. Now I have to look up to him. And Bethy, she's getting on up there as well. And I'm proud to see my children's physical development. And we delight in the developments of their minds and their personalities. But we thrill to see our children and our grandchildren and our friends in our church to exemplify marks of maturity. How exciting it is we can grow and develop spiritually. It begins with saving faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the one who died, shed his blood for the sins of the world. It begins with that. And so I want to outline for you today three marks of spiritual maturity. The first of these can be found in verse 16. 
One mark is we're being strengthened by the Spirit. Notice the wording here, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. I notice this word now, riches. It appears elsewhere in the epistle to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, he talks about our redemption and forgiveness of sin. Redemption is a powerful word. It came from the slave markets of the ancient world. And there was a poor, condemned slave. And someone pays his price, and he's set free. We were in the slave market of sin. And someone paid the price and redeemed us and set us free. And Ephesians 1, 7 also talks about the forgiveness of sin. You ever heard two arguments or been involved in one where it is finally said, well, I'll forgive you if you'll forgive me. Come on, give me a break. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions for us. Do all your sins publicized for the whole world? We can get by with our age being made known, but come on. Do we want our sins written on the walls? No. Jesus, through his blood, his precious blood, cleanses us from all unrighteousness and forgives us of our sin. How rich? Well, in Ephesians 1.18, we read that richest word again. It talks about his inheritance and the saints and how glorious it's going to be. It is his inheritance of us, and we're a part of that, and all the glories and the majesties to follow. And then he tells us in Ephesians 2, that we're alive, we're raised, we're seated. And in the ages to come, no end. One of these days, there'll be a funeral service for all of us if the Lord tears in his coming. But as Dwight L. Moody said, you'll hear about my death, but I'll be more alive then than I ever was. Isn't that exciting? He's going to take us to glory out of this world of misery and heartache and need and shortcoming. And all the ages to come will be exposed to the riches of his grace. Strengthened with power. Wow. There is no measure on his power. There was a time when the universe was not and the king, the Lord Jesus, spoke, and the worlds were formed by the majesty and glory of his power. That's a power available to us. It's available as we pray for others who need development. And it's available to us who should be. And please, God, help us to amplify, amplify, and exemplifying our lives, this glorious power, strengthened by the Spirit, 
And this is the Holy Spirit. Now, I love how Paul opens up this passage when he says, I bow my knee. That doesn't mean that we always have to get on our knees to pray. We have examples in Scripture of people standing, bowing, falling on their face before God, and then getting on one's knees. You'll be strengthened. And Paul's prayer was a powerful prayer. You've heard of John Knox one of the great reformers. It was said by Mary, the Catholic Queen of Scots, that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than an army of 10,000 people. Wouldn't you like to have a prayer life like that? Wow. So Paul was praying for the Ephesians. You'll be strengthened in the inner man. Now, I confess at my age, I can't lift as much as I once did. I have to call for help. I can't run as fast as I once could, but I can trot along pretty good for my, for my age. But uh, listen, I've reached a stage where I need help physically. But the thrilling thing about the spiritual life is you can continue to grow and be strengthened in the inner person. What's in this inner person? Well, we read words in the scripture like the heart, the mind, the will, the conscience, the spirit, the soul, all of this that makes up part of our inner man. And so the thrilling thing is we can be strengthened by the Spirit. It's a simple command. Paul said, be not drunk with wine, but be filled. Ephesians 4.30, be filled, meaning come under the control. Young people, you need spirit control when you're fiddling with your phones. And all kinds of things are available to see on those phones. All kinds of things. All of us in the marketplace of evil and as we go about our lives need the help of God to be strengthened with the temptations that come our way. Are you like me? Do you have wicked thoughts come into your mind? I know Brother Dean, my good missionary brother, he doesn't have that problem, but I sure do. <laughs> y'all are laughing because y'all know something I maybe don't know. <laughs> Strengthen in this inner person. And so it's a command, and it can be. And so we need God's strength to fulfill our responsibilities, to carry on with our daily lives. Sometimes I pray, even in the part-time job I have, and why am I still working at 85? Well, I want to tell you something. <laughs> Social Security for missionary work and Bible college professions isn't a whole lot. <laughs> so a little bit is needed to help my family, and I'm thankful that I have the strength and the ability to work. Praises be to God. Well, there's spiritual stamina available for us,
strengthened by the Spirit, but let's move on in the passage. As you look at verses 17 through 19, there's a second mark of spiritual maturity. And you're going to see that spiritual maturity relates very closely and strongly with our relationships to the persons of the Trinity. So first, strengthened by the Spirit. Secondly, stabilized by the Son. There are words in these verses that speak of strong stability, being strengthened. And I love this text of Scripture here, so that Christ, you see, flowing out of being strengthened by the Spirit is the second phase of being stabilized by the Son. And it talks about Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, this word dwell is a very strong word in the original. Let me illustrate. Yesterday morning, along with the elders and the deacons of our church, I went to a lovely home. And the gentleman, his name is Tom, let the cat out of the bag, Brother Tom was out in front of his home directing traffic and showing us where to park. And we went in the house, and Susan was there acting as a wonderful hostess. And did we ever feel at home? My goodness, there were lovely tables set. And you could smell some of the aroma of the food. And there was coffee and juice and a comfortable place to sit. What's my point? We immediately felt at home. And the passage is talking about, don't miss this. The passage is talking about Jesus dwelling in our lives to the extent that he's dwelling happily in our lives. And that's the life of faith. I want Jesus to be at home in my life. Just as our gracious host and hostess made us feel at home. And you talk about a food spread. Lord, have mercy. I wish all of you could have been there. Mm -mm. When I got through with that meal, I didn't feel like I wanted to see my biscuit or any other kind of food that you could think of. What's the point? We were treated so nicely there. And when you let Christ dwell and be at home in your heart, how rich is the relationship? How ennobling can be our activity. I sometimes pray, and I mean it. I wish I'd remember to pray it more. But I sometimes as I embark on a situation or a responsibility, I pray, Lord, let, let Jesus be represented here today. Some of the things I do in my part-time job aren't exactly pleasant. But I try to remember, hey, Jesus, you want me to do a good job here for my employer. And I want to do a good job as a father. And a good job as a grandfather. And a good job as a friend.
praying others. Paul certainly knew what it was all about when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And so as we trust him, he can exemplify his life in us and help us in a wicked, sinful world to fulfill our responsibilities and to work for him in ministry and so on. Rooted, we read in the scripture, he dwells in our hearts by faith and you being rooted and grounded in love. Now the idea here is like a rich plant. I think many of you, as I have, have planted gardens. And we try to plant the seed well. Well, we are rooted and grounded and nourished by love. Now this is, this is not here the love of Christ. That will follow. It's talking about the believer's love. And you see, when you are strengthened by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, the first fruition of that is, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. That's the initial thing. The Spirit wants you and me to be a person of love. And that's a strong word, that word agape in the Greek. And it is a love of commitment. It is a love of strength. It is a love of the highest measure. You being rooted and grounded in the love, as the scripture exhorts us, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and strength. Love. And it is produced by the Holy Spirit. So Christ dwells in our hearts and what helps us being rooted in grounded love. We're able, as we're stabilized by the Son, to comprehend something. What? Breath. These are measurement words. Breath, length, height, depth. Measurement words. And this, you see, as we love, it helps us to know experientially the love of Christ outlined in the scripture, scripture, which surpasses knowledge. So what a thrilling thing it is. Measurement words. The love of Christ helping us. The wonderful scholar, Harold Honer, one of the writers of the Dallas Commentary said, is talking about the fullness of the Godhead is only in Christ and only through him is a believer complete. So how wonderful the songwriter helps us to understand the hymn, the love of God. And you know, if the whole ocean were ink, still could not exhaust the riches of Christ. As you know, I was a missionary in Alaska for several years. 
and I lived on the shores of the North Pacific in the two locations where I lived at different times. Oftentimes, I watched the great waves come in, 17 waves every minute. I watched them. Now, when I was a little boy, spending time in my grandmother's home, and I lived with her for some 10 years in my childhood, from 5 to 15. On rainy days, I'm going to admit it, my grandmother taught me how to sew. And to this day, I know how to sew a button on, and I know what a thimble is. The truth were known, I'm probably sew better than Julie can, but don't tell anybody. So I learned what a thimble was. Now, catch the imagery here. If I walked down to the ocean that I could see and kept dipping with a thimble, oh, my Lord, I couldn't begin to exhaust the enormity of the part of the ocean that I could see. And that's what the Scripture wants us to see. You can't exhaust the love of God. We love him because he first loved us. And so these two harmonize together, your love and mine and the love of the king. So we are what? We're strengthened by the spirit and we're stabilized by the son. Do you know the Lord this morning? Have you begun the wonderful adventure of faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I came to know him personally as a 16-year-old boy. Never, never, never have I regretted coming to trust and faith in him and how rich my life has been taste some of the riches of his grace, his majesty, and his glory. Are we growing today in the grace and in the knowledge of this one who exemplifies such riches and in measures that can't be measured? How great they are. I was amused a few years ago when the Russians sent German Titov into space. When he came back, he spouted the Communist Party line in my travels in space. I saw no God or angels. And I thought, you ninny. <laughs> you went 100, year, 100 miles into space. And listen, do you know how long it takes a, a spaceship to get to Mars? Six months traveling at the speed of 13,000 miles an hour. That's just one of the planets. And the astronomers are continually giving us new dimensions of the universe. Wow. Well, that's how great he is. Not only then are we strengthened by the Spirit and stabilized by the sun, but notice in verse 19, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you might be what? Filled up to the fullness of God. 
And there's that thimble imagery. Who can exhaust? Who can fathom the great love of God? And through all eternity, that will be part of the experience that awaits us as believers. How rich. Supplied to all the fullness of God. It can't be exhausted. What a thrilling declaration this is of the majesty, glory, and grace of God. And we read, Now to him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we ask to thank according to his power that works within us. I'm a response by the grace of God to the gracious prayers of a sharecropper farmer grandfather who feared God and who prayed for me. I'm an answer to prayer by the grace of God to the prayers of a Georgia farm girl my mother, who had a fifth-grade education, but she loved and feared God and prayed for me. And when I get to heaven, I'll be able to thank her adequately for her prayers. How rich. I love what um, Charles Stanley said about a mother's prayers. He said, you don't mess with a mother's prayers. They are powerful and awesome. And so how blessed we are to have a truth like this. It helps us in praying for unsaved family members. It helps us pray for things that are difficult. A little over a week ago, I had one of the most exciting phone conversations I've had in a long time. I was so excited that I shared it with our last elders meeting. But let me give you the background. My initial years in Alaska were spent as the administrator of a child care institution for delinquent, abused, and neglected boys and girls. I can never forget a family that came to the home, and I have many memories of kids coming and so many of them came from very difficult and neglected backgrounds. One of them was a family named Vonda, four children. The father was a drunkard and had been mistreating the children. And they were incredibly poor. And those children came. They smelled. They had matted hair. Their clothes were dirty. Josephine, the oldest, maybe 11 at the time, 10 or 11, I can't remember, and then her younger sister and two little brothers. Josephine had on ballerina shoes, but her toes were extending through. What a thrilling thing it was to minister to Josephine and her children and many other young people, and I wasn't the only person, there were other staff members. We had 35 to 45 kids there most of the time. Most of them uh, Clinket Indians that live in southeast Alaska. But let me fast forward to the conversation. 
I remember Josephine coming to the Lord and learning verses of Scripture. And then somehow in later years, I lost touch. Now, we've got a Facebook fan in our family, and uh, she happened to run across Josephine's entry. Could it be the Josephine I knew in Alaska? And there was a phone number. And I thought, I have got to call that phone number. So I called the phone number. Eventually, someone answered the phone. And it was Josephine. And what a story I heard. What excitement had developed. Josephine, in later years, was able to get a good college education. She had worked for and retired from the government for some 30 years. Now she's an older lady living in her own home. Her husband is deceased. She has children. And Josephine is walking with God. She's active in her church. She prays regularly. Her children know the Lord. Her younger brother, there was a little short dude when... He came into our home all dirty and disheveled. He goes to the church I used to pastor in his senior years. Did I ever have a praise service when I got through talking with Josephine? And how thrilled. I wish I could tell you that all the kids turned out well. Some did. One became a missionary pilot. Another is pastoring a church in Petersburg, Alaska, as I speak to you this day, God did some things. Give the Lord time. Don't be hesitant to pray. When you learn of the planning of the gospel in Ephesus, it wasn't a very promising mission field. But Paul gives us a model prayer here, and he tells us of marks of maturity that can be the experience of the believer, and he shows us how to pray for others. In our home, when we pray together as a family, I don't know how many thousands of students I've had the opportunity to interact with in 47 years of teaching. But I hear from some of them from time to time, and I pray for many of them. Not every day, but... We get to it and pray for them. And how thrilling it is that so many of them on mission fields, in the pastorate, teaching in Christian schools and serving the Lord. Yes, God had purposes with Southeastern. And as the Lord tarries, we trust that our great school, born the local assembly here in our own church, that it will bear fruit as the Lord tears and is coming. Wow. Marks of maturity. Strengthened by the Spirit. Stabilized by the Son. And supplied unto all the Father's fullness. Those are the marks of maturity in this passage. 
And you can see that maturity in the believer's life will relate to an appropriate relationship with each member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for your word today. We pray that you, by your Spirit, will show us how we need to apply that to which we've been exposed this day. And as the Lord tears in his coming, may we increasingly bear the fruition of marks of maturity, all for the glory and praise and honor of our King. We pray in his wonderful and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Hugh. Three marks of a true believer. You know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if I got behind him or he got ahead of me um, because he was preaching from Ephesians 3 and this song is from Ephesians 2. So, but it all goes together, right? Um, B said uh, last week as he started the worship, I thought it was a great comedy. He was talking about how worship is about seeing, seeing um, the depths of our depravity. And uh, that's where this song starts. And I think the, the view that you view your depravity will be um, equally as opposite and as great as the view that you view um, his grace, his love. So in Ephesians, he starts out in chapter two and uh, he says that we were dead. He says, you're dead and trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He says, among whom you all once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Paul in Romans 3 said, um, that there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good. There's none who even seek after God. Then in Ephesians 2, my two of my favorite words in the Bible, he says, but God, not but me, not but you, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, that even when we were dead, in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive. And he raised us up in Christ. It says, you've been saved by grace through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I was dead in trespasses and sins the prince of darkness then was leading me away I was dead there was no good in me you 
grace I could not seek and would have stayed that way. But God, who's rich in mercy, He made me alive and He raised me up in Jesus to everlasting life. From darkness into light, He made me alive. From sin and death, He freed us. Oh, death, where is your sting? The risen King of kings, He made me alive.
Now be honest, were you watching that microphone waiting to see if it was going to fall? <laughs> Dr. Hugh, you are truly uh, one of the great treasures the Lord has blessed us with. And I'm praying that he'll make it to 86 so that we can let him preach again. Don't be so short-sighted in your prayer. <laughs> <laughs> And for those of you who may be visiting with us, uh, if you enjoyed this, you ought to come hear him when he has time to prepare. <laughs> but we do thank you. And pray for Pastor Thad. He's not doing uh, too well, at least last night. He had fever and temperature and all the ills that associate that. And if you were at the lunch, uh, br uh, Elder Deacon brunch, uh, you've been infected. <laughs> or, or at least you've been exposed. We'll see what happens, but we do pray that he'll uh, get back on his feet as soon as, as he can. Um, before we close, uh, uh, well, I forgot, so I won't say it, but uh, as, as we close, stand with me, and I'm going to read uh, as our closing prayer uh, the benediction Paul has at the end of the book of Ephesians. He says, Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. And I pray that uh, we'll all leave here excited, uh, motivated, and just uh, wanting to serve the Lord in each and every way that he makes possible to us. And with that, we say, Amen. We're dismissed. <laughs>